I wrote a story about hand doubling. Did you read that one that I sent out? Oh, I did. I, I, well, listen, I'm going to be honest. I clicked on it and I was a little disappointed, but I did read the rest of it. <laughs> I titled the story hand pause jobs and magicians yeah. Hand jobs and magicians. And I sent it out and I got to tell you, it was the most opened email I've ever sent in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> the, the average person who opened it opened it five times <laughs> they had to go back and check they were I like had, did i i feel like yeah. i missed something i had no idea that, that 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 phrasing could mean something else apparently people thought that i was talking that the email was about something else well i mean again i to just to clarify i opened that email and i was like rory this this newsletter is going in a very different direction, um, <laughs> and I'm I'm not one to pay for a hand job, but I guess in this case I did. I subscribed for hand job. That was a free post. Anyway. That was a free. It was oh, a that free was a free. That job. was a free one. It was wow. You gave out free hand job. <laughs> I'm Rory. I'm the editor of One Ahead. I'm DK. I'm a magician and a YouTube producer. On this month's show. The best underperformed magic trick of all time. How to avoid getting scammed by the magic marketplace. Hand jobs and magicians? I can't believe you just said that. Plus, we'll talk about performing magic tricks for friends. We're in, we're doing it. Right, so what's our first story then? Well, it's the best, most underperformed magic trick revealed. It's Dippy Duck, isn't it? You know what? I thought it was going to be Dippy Duck when I read the article, but it's not. That's still one of the greats, though. It's still one of the greats. No, this article is about any drink called for. The trick has a ton of different names and a very rich history, but essentially, the magician can produce any drink named by the audience from one bottle, jug, kettle, whatever you got on you. It's been performed in recent years by magicians like Pete Furman, Barry and Stewart, and of course, the wonderful Steve Cohen. It's a great trick. It's I genuinely one of the coolest tricks, I think. Have you seen it in real life? I have never seen it in real life, which is probably the most disappointing part about it. I've seen it so many times on like videos. Um, and I saw a video of Steve Cohen doing it. Um, it was kind of chopped up, obviously, because mm. you, know, you can't just be putting his, his show out there. There's a lot of a lot of secrets behind those doors. But yeah, it's like the best wish fulfillment trick that I can think of, at least. It's funny as well because Steve Cohen is the person who I think of when I think of this trick, and it might just be because it's so like synonymous with his like millionaires magician show. At, it used to be at the Waldorf Astoria, right? But I have no idea where yeah. it is now. It's like there's this magician in New York, and it's very like it's quite an old timey. Like he wears like a, a a cool looking suit. It's in like an old yeah. fancy hotel on the top floor. And yeah, he's quite famous for doing this with, I think it's like a, a tea kettle, like a silver tea kettle. And he will pour, at the end of his show, he'll pour everyone's drinks, whatever they kind of name. Um, but I think I think it probably was. I think through Theory 11, it was probably the first time I'd sort of been introduced to it as a trick. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, I saw it live at the session years and years ago, and I still have friends. Like I saw a friend actually, who I've been writing about recently with this guy called Paul Brooks, who has a magic bar in, in Bath, which is a town in, in the UK. He doesn't just have a magic bar in, 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 in Bath. Just in the bathroom. <laughs> um, That'd uh, be a very seedy place to have one. 
it's yeah. it, that's new where I, I basically grew up in bath which is how I, I met him and stuff but it's it's definitely one of those things in the uk you say bath or bath it depends how posh you are um but yeah <laughs> I, I have to translate it when i'm when i'm when i'm abroad but yeah he he was talking about it um because we we i think we kind of like proper met for the first time at the session and this guy i can't remember who it was did did it and i'm sure he used like a mix of lots of different methods but it just blew everyone away it's such a like it's a fascinating trick because you want it to be real and it's interesting because really you only have to do like three five drinks and you've convinced Mm -hmm. the audience that you can do any drink like if you do one or two drinks it's like okay cool maybe that kettle was prepared to do these two drinks yeah there's a couple things yeah, but, but if someone it, but, came up to me on the street and was like, "Hey, man, what do you want to drink?" and I was like, "I'll have an orange juice," and they poured it, and I was like, "Just kidding, I want Sprite." And then Sprite came out, I'd be like, "Okay, um, no, actually, I just want uh," and I'd be like, "Name something super specific, like a diet cherry coke with bitters," and they'd just pour it out, and I would go. That's when I'd be like, that's when I'm like, that's when I'm kind of like adjusting my posture a little bit. Yeah, like I'm going to have to fight someone. That's one of those tricks where it's like, I feel like on edge. You haven't like, been to a... <laughs> what is, what's going to come been... out of it? I don't know. I'm like, uh, what if I just said, like, what if someone went to one of those shows and they were like blood? Oh, what's, don't what do is that. What is Steve Cohen going to do? <laughs> God, you're, you're setting me off in so many different directions. First of all, you ever been to a Five Guys restaurant? You ever been to a Five Guys? Yes, got this I've over been there? to a Five Guys. I, I don't, I've been I, you probably have this guys. in every, you probably have this in every restaurant in America. But you know they have like the soda machines that do like six hundred yeah, things. The, the Coke, the Coke machine. <laughs> yeah, it's on its like, screen, and you can press anything. Well, no, the I'm first half of because... what you were describing was just like going to one <laughs> with a bit of cherry and a cola thing. Because you the go there and it's thing, like. Yeah. They say it's six hundred drinks, and then you get to the machine. It's like five drinks, but just different flavors. It's like, and then you click on it, and it's like strawberry lemonade, and you're like, orange lemonade, strawberry lime lemonade. I'm like, I don't even (laughs) know what that is. That's just wait. Why is there lime in the lemonade? That seems unnecessary. There's gotta be. I mean, yeah, I'm surprised because it's like it's one of those things where like I feel like if you had a really good venue you could really set this up to to do genuinely any drink called for if there's someone at the back making the drinks but it it, it, what does amaze me which is what i was saying is like you only have to do like five drinks and you've convinced people you can do any drink and and five people five drinks are not that great i worked on a show with barry and stewart and they did like their version of it Mm -hmm. and what was really interesting um was that in the end version of the trick it was such a variety of drinks as well, which is what's happened most of the time when I've seen people form these tricks. You know, it's yeah. an alcoholic drink. It's uh, a drink of a completely different color. But also one thing that Baron Stewart did so great is like one of the drinks was like hot, which was like nuts That's to be good. like, like it was like yeah. a difference in temperature, difference in, th- so it can't just be like, hey, we've just added like food dye to like five cups of water kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, um, especially like if you can have them taste it. And then they can confirm, the audience can confirm for you, yes, this is a apple teeny or whatever it is that they've The tasting it is so weird. I I get why that people do that, but to me it's like You're just uncomfortable with the idea of tasting it because you're afraid of like No, it's not that it? I just don't like I don't see it as like it's like holy crap, he just made this drink come out of the thing that was named. He pours it like 
that's impressive and it's just so weird to me this idea that like everyone holds their applause until like one random is like yes it is i i confirm that this white liquid is milk and everyone goes yeah like it's like why is we thought it was coffee creamer until you drank it we were nervous it's gonna be the wrong one it's so weird like a kicker or like moment of like but, but wait till you turn over the card in your hand it's like but wait till you drink it and then you'll know then you'll know that it's definitely yeah code. yeah i guess it would kind of be like if you did a card trick and you were like flick it card in your hand. <laughs> but taste it <laughs> just taste it just taste it is and that the card you were you thinking of do... yes but lick it yes. is it the same no, but thing <laughs> But remember when I asked you to lick the card before <laughs> and remember the taste. Lick it again. I need you to and also by the way don't mind me I'm just going to film this for my Instagram here. Lick the card. <laughs> Person's like, "I don't know if you you can't post this. You you can't post it." You'd know. Would you get demonetized I, for that? My friends just got I just yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not demonetized, but they did a video that included some rude stuff in it, and they got like sh like shadowy banned. Got like way less views than normal. Yeah, yeah, um, that'll happen. Um, God damn it! Um, but yeah, I don't know why this trick isn't like a a trick that everyone's doing. It just feels to me like if Theory Eleven or Vanishing Ink released like uh, I don't know what it would be because it would be weird to have like a tea kettle. I guess it would be like. Uh, I think it would have a, to be a like, chili water, water, like a water bottle or something. You know what I mean? Is that a brand you guys have back. over there? Yeah, with, with Camelback. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a Camelback with. <laughs> it's just like a like a white girl tumbler that they would keep coffee in, but you could pour any drink out of it. Yeah, that What's would be name? the one for college students. Kieran Johnson has a trick where you make any drink come out of a sealed, uh, like can, like a. A soda can. Oh, a soda um, can. But That's it's cool. one drink, and it's still really cool. Like they name a drink, and you you take out a prediction, and it's like mm -hmm. a can of Coke, and it's wrong, and you open it up and pour out milk. It's like holy shit! But yeah. wait, oh, wow, wait till you good. taste it. Take, can you confirm yeah, it's definitely sure. milk? But mm, I don't that's know, actually just... Coke. <laughs> it's white, weird, just like... white Coke. Uh, oh, no, God, it's such Coke. a weird kicker. It would be great though, because like. Uh, what do they call a fountain gun? Is that what they call it? The actual a soda gun? Is that what they call it? Soda yeah, the gun? soda gun. Yeah, that they use for the seltzer water. For the what? The seltzer, the seltzer water. water. Wow, I don't yeah. think we really use that term over here. Um, here it means something very different. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Drake and Josh, like Drake uh, squirting the soda gun in uh, Josh's mouth, and him being able to name straight away oh, what the sodas were. Yes. That's like my 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 childhood memory wow. of this. But it, I'm sure, is it, I guess it's not interesting or exciting to like to have that as be part of a method. I feel like if you want you want like really random drinks being selected, basically, don't you? Yeah, I feel like earlier when we were talking about the giant Coke machines um, mm. that dispense all the drinks, it would be really interesting if you could do that with the facade of the Coke machine, and then at the end of it, you open the machine up and there was like nothing inside. So it's like, where did the drinks oh. come from? So it's um, kind of like, it's like, uh, have you seen Wilman's thing that he did? I think Blake helped, like made it. It's, uh, he does like a prediction and he takes out this piece of paper from a box and it's got the prediction in it. And then he lifts up the box and there's a, there's a, printer, a printer that was inside. Inside. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then he, he crushes the printer. It's made of paper. And it's like, so there's something funny about yeah. doing that with like a soda gun and then revealing that the soda gun isn't plugged in or something. It's not t attached to anything. That would yeah. be very, very cool. 
Yeah. Because it really, like I if do you were think... behind a bar, that would be a fun one. Yeah. It's a great bar. Like, it's it's a great, if you're working at a magic bar or something, it's a great trick for the, um, it's, it's, it's weird though, because it really does come down to the forces, doesn't it? Because all of the best methods I've seen for this trick, you have a limited number of things that you can actually produce. And sometimes yeah. it's more, you can produce more than you end up doing for the trick. Perhaps you're ready for 10 drinks, but you, but you only do three or four for the routine. But it, yeah. it's one of those tricks that really just comes down to like how well the force feels, if it feels fake or real. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about. Like, obviously it's, it's not any drink called for that's, you know, I mean, that would be a, a miracle if you could literally do just anything that anybody named. But the feeling that you get is really m- very much off the back of like, did I feel forced to pick this? Or mm. did I feel like I actually had, you know, a decent amount of selection so that when the drink does come out and I taste it, because if I don't taste it, I won't believe it. Uh, and I taste it, then then it's real for me. You but know? that's what's, even if you had a jug, and you only you could only choose from ten drinks, and you could pour any of those ten. It's still an impressive trick. That's like it's, very, yeah. It's a strange one. That anything's really interesting. You've just reminded me that illusionist got in a bit of a kerfuffle this week because oh, oh my god, how English though just sound just then that I said the word. You guys don't say kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. God, whoopsie daisies. Um, he said that someone had posted a review on any card that any card to pocket uh, trick that it's not really any wow. card, and. <sighs> And uh, and the illusionist like a big response about how like you know well also magic isn't real and it's like it's called any card any number or any card to pocket because that's the audience's perception of the trick not not like it's not a description of the method kind of thing yeah yeah um but it is it is uh yeah that I could, we could jump into a whole topic about um well we've got that Maybe coming we... up oh my god yeah. our next story is about how did I forget this anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a good segue. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take this. If you want to, uh, if you'd like to learn more about the trick and learn one of the many methods for any drink called for, you can read the full story at onehead.com. Um, we mention one of the methods at length that you can actually buy online. It's like a, a, an old assassin's method. Um, and we also talk about mm-hmm. the history of the trick, which includes a lot of uh, legal jargon and patents and one magician <laughs> owning the trademark uh, to... One of the names for any drink called for, but I can't remember. Think a drink. He owns the trademark. Think a drink. Think yes. A drink. So if you do this trick, you cannot call it uh, think a drink. Think a drink. Think a drink. Think, think a drink. A drink. I got it. Yeah. You have to call it. I can't even think of a joke. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I was going to try and do something else, wow, but man. I can't. Think a joke. Uh, you can't do it. Yeah. Con- conjure a beverage. That's what any, you have to call any it. Jo- you can't. Any, any joke called any for. Joke. Uh, knock, knock joke. I'm calling for it. I want one. Next podcast. Uh, Listen to the next podcast. I'll have a not not joke for it ready for you. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna hold you to that. <laughs> I want a not not joke. This is so unrelated to what we're talking about right now, and it's also incredibly <laughs> immature. This is. I'm just thinking about I'm the just way my about, brain works. If you say that and pause, my brain just comes up with like a hundred <laughs> things you're about to say. <laughs> This is so not tangentially related at all. Um, But yesterday at work, this is incredibly immature. Yesterday at work, I was just sitting there and it was really quiet. And it's me and these two other guys in a room. Um, 
And I go, do you guys want to hear a fun fact about Africa? And the one guy goes, yeah, I guess. And so I go, in Africa, there are so many countries that there's one for every single letter of the English alphabet, one that starts with every single letter of the English alphabet, except for K. Except for K. And the other one guy goes, huh, that's kind of interesting. And the other guy goes, uh, no, that's wrong. And I said, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm, I, I, I Googled it, and it's correct. He goes, no, 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 no. You're forgetting about Kenya. And I said, uh, can you put these balls in your mouth? And oh he was God. livid. <laughs> so I got up, and I walked into the other part of the office, the other section of the office, and there's two, there's two other guys in there. And I go, dude, you're never going to believe what just happened. My friend goes, "What?" I said, "I just got, I just got the other editor with a, with a Kenya joke." He said, "What's the Kenya joke?" I said, "Well, what you do is you say there's no countries in Africa that start with the letter K. Then they say Kenya, and then you say, can you put these balls in your mouth?" And I said, "But it's actually based on a real fact, which is that there's no countries in Africa that start with the letter G, and that's why people believe it. And so you can kind of play off of the reality of." a fun fact, but use it to your advantage to trick people. And as I'm explaining this, he goes, no, dude, there's a country that starts with G. And I said, what, what is it? He goes, it's Ghana. And I said, you're gonna put these balls in your mouth, dude. And it was like, I was riding high after that. It was so, it felt so good to explain the joke and then hit the exact same joke. It was like repeating a trick and fooling somebody twice. I can't tell if Which this is, is the end of the joke or if you that's then the end go of the story. to the... That's, <laughs> that's, there's another... Or then on the way home, you stop I at said, the gas station. there's no countries that start with the letter Z. <laughs> and the guy said, what about Zimbabwe? And I said, Zimbabwe on the... No, I have nothing for Zimbabwe. <laughs> oh that would have been God. ridiculous. Anyway, that's the end I'd of like it. you to know that I spent that entire time trying to work out if I needed to cut that joke. <laughs> You do need to cut that joke. You need to 100% cut that. It's not relevant. I just wanted to tell you because I just I was so proud oh about it yesterday God. that I just had to interrupt the recording. To we have oh 190 minutes God. or whatever. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> this is what happens when in the outline DK is responsible for the next line moving the the, the, the yeah, podcast. Not, <laughs> it's like I'm staring at this line this, in the outline where DK says, "What's up next?" What's up next? And I'm waiting for DK to say it, and instead he says a 10 minute testicle joke. <laughs> just the whole time I'm looking at this where he goes, "DK, what's up next?" And I'm like, any second now he's gonna say, "What's up next?" No, no, no. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna derail this entire process. Oh my god! All right. Okay. So I do have I do have something to say though. What's up next? Don't get scammed by the outrageous magic marketplace. Learn to navigate it. I wish I had something like this when I first started doing magic because the amount of tricks that I bought that I got delivered to my door and went, oh, that's not what I... Mm. You deserve you know? it. For your level of humor, you deserve <laughs> This is karma. <laughs> exactly. You know what? It's pre-karma. Exactly. Life knew that I was going to derail this podcast Lots From of the time uh, I was twelve years old. Oh my god! Lots of disappointment and small pieces of tape could have been avoided. This was a guest post by Pete McGabe, who chose the topic and wrote extensively about history of the magic marketplace. He also gave some brilliant tips you can apply to your future magic buying uh, decisions. Um, 
do you have a take on this, DK? What do you think? I actually, I do have a take on this, and it's because Uh-oh. I've been kind of, I've strayed away from um, actively engaging in the the magic marketplace as a whole. I did some work for Luke um, when he was doing the Visual Magic Store, and mm-hmm. so at that point, I was like very heavily embedded in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did like the Christmas ad for Illusionist, and so I was again very much like in there. And now. I find that it's much better to just kind of either not engage with it at all or to watch very passively from the outside. Does it feel because like really you left is. a cult? It, in a way it does because <laughs> like, well, I think about when I first started doing magic and every, every trailer for every trick, it doesn't matter how mundane the trick was. It was like a Michael Bay movie trailer. How bizarre that we magic. have trailers. It doesn't make sense. It's very, very weird. It's no very, other very industry strange. has them. It's like, you know, you get someone, and I'm trying to think of like a good example that I don't want to offend anybody. Yo, I don't the old punches. illusionist ads, they would like rob banks in the trailers for well, a magic yeah, trick. Like Chris Ramsey and Daniel Madison robbed a bank for playing cards excuse me it was like the king's playing cards mm. and they robbed a bank and then they blew up a car and then they walked away like and then the, the whole ad was for a deck that as far as i'm aware very few people purchased um Oof. uh at least that i know we can cut that part out but no yeah. what i was gonna say is when you when you get somebody like i'm trying to imagine like imagine if danny de Ortiz was in a michael bay movie <laughs> It would be the most ridiculous, but it would be so funny. It's but that's like, what, like, like some it, of these trailers are like that. They feel that way, right? Like if you if you took if you took Daniel Madison and Chris Ramsey, who have like these sort of kind of like rough personality like kind of appearances to them, like they look like they might rob a bank. You know what I'm saying? And you mm. just replace that with Danny Ortiz, and he's like in a hostage situation, <laughs> like. <laughs> Is it, the people the people are at the bank and he's like robbing the bank and he's like he's like nobody move and then someone like tries to leave and they're like and he's like no you can't move and they're like well, what if i want to he's like it's your life it's your life it's my robbery but it's your life oh my god Jesus. it's my robbery but it's your life oh my god giving you a microphone is like giving a child sugar <laughs> just like I can see the power. Like, as soon as you had your hand around that mic, you just like, your veins just started going. You're kicking into gear. Right, dude. The thing is, maybe it was because I was young, but when I was young, like, the trailers didn't seem that weird. What was weird is when The Wire became a thing, Theory 11's like marketplace. Because then people were making the same style of trailer because that's what they thought magic trailer should be. But with the budget of a 14 year old or a 40 year old unemployed person somewhere, like it was, and like, I'm, <laughs> it, and I'm it highlighted how weird it was that all these kids were making these like, and it was really sweet, obviously, but like it definitely made it weird. Cause they're really on that. There's no other like productized industries where it's like, you're going to watch a trailer for this product with, titles that like zoom in and they're like yeah no magnets and like, like <laughs> michael Pitt music yeah it's 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 interesting but it's one thing i was thinking because i was reading pete's article was people loved it but it was really extensive about the history of magic and, and the history of magic marketing 
Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like my intro to magic was my granddad, uh, my papa was he loved he he well, he, he he had it uh, a shoebox of magic tricks in his attic that we climbed up and we went through together. And that was like my introduction to magic. And I used to watch like David Copperfield with him and stuff. But in that shoebox were his old like brochure, uh, catalogs, I guess you'd call them like little brochure yeah. catalogs. And on each page, there were just a description of a trick, maybe like a handwritten drawing. And then it would be like, put your money in an envelope and in the envelope, <laughs> have a, have a pre-stamped, return envelope with your address on it so it would go mm. to the magic dealer they would open up the envelope see, see which one they trick the guy wanted pocket the money put the right trick in the in the envelope that my granddad had written his address on and stamped and then they'd post it out to them and the 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 thing would be like miracle cigarette trick and it would be like the magician takes an empty hand reaches into the air and makes a cigarette appear and puts it into a bucket and then he does it again and again he can do up to a million cigarettes just randomly appearing in the air and then it would arrive and the method was a piece of tape that you'd stick on the back of your thumb so that you would just and you would, would do the yeah, so the, the cigarette production. would be behind your thumb, and then when you went into like a fist shape, it would pop up, and and you would pretend mm-hmm. to put it in a bucket, and you would do that endlessly. And I thought that was so cool. There was not like a, there was no part of me that was like, obviously, I, I probably shouldn't be doing cigarette magic aged eight, but there was no part <laughs> of me that was like, this is weird. Like, I didn't feel scammed. I didn't feel conned. I thought it was amazing. For me, it was like, yeah. it was like a puzzle. It was like, oh, like. They didn't lie in the written thing. That they, they just it said what the creative. audience sees. Well, yeah. it wasn't even correct. They just said that's what the audience create like sees as they see a song with an empty hand reaching out and, and making a hundred cigarettes appear. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's, it's so interesting to me that I didn't feel cheated reading that and and I didn't buy it by like learning the secret. But yeah. when I see these trailers now. I do understand and I would also feel cheated sometimes because it does feel like they're trying to manipulate you or they're trying to say stuff to lean you down the wrong way or convince you you should buy it and all this kind of stuff. Um, But I don't really know what the difference is. I think part of the problem is that now with video, like when you could write a trick, you could just write the description and it would be accurate. But now that you're filming stuff and people might be able to see the method or rewind, there's a lot of like cuts that happen and stuff. So I don't know. It's really, it's, it's really interesting to me that that wasn't, I didn't feel conned at all when I was like that. That was what excited. It was like a riddle or a puzzle or, or a toy. It didn't, didn't feel like I was being conned, but it also was probably like a really cheap trick that was like a piece of tape and it wasn't (laughs) an $800 dice trick or something that that sometimes. Yeah. You weren't paying for like color match. And then you got like Crayola markers in the mail and you were like, this is wrong. Well, the the other thing I, sorry, go on. Okay. Well, what I was just going to say like really quickly is that it's really interesting how one of the bases of magic is like, you should never over justify something. Like if you're performing a trick, you never say it's an ordinary deck of cards because that's suspicious, right? But then every magic trailer ever is like an over justification of the method. No magnets. It's like no magnets. We promise no threads. Like they're like really, they have to like really spell it out 
for magicians, but it's stuff that you would never have to explain to a lay person. Mm. You would, ne- you would never also- do the trick and do that. But also, what's wrong with threads? What's wrong with magnets? Like they're only saying that because very, they want to fool you. Things. Yeah, yeah, they they just want to fool you. Lots of great magicians use threads, use magnets. Lots of great magicians use a lot of stuff that you can't sell. Like, um, <laughs> that sounds like I'm saying everyone uses stooges, but like, yeah. you know, <laughs> most people who perform magic tricks are performing magic tricks for friends and family. Should they use stooges? Yeah. 100 percent. are you kidding do you know how much more your partner's gonna enjoy you showing people magic tricks if they get to be the person typing in the thing or do it like yeah and it's sir, like if you put in a, if you put in a magic product uses a stooge no one's gonna buy it and it's 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 ridiculous because i don't know like what's wrong with magnets there's nothing wrong with magnets i'm pro magnet are you pro magnet I'm I'm very pro magnet you're positive when it comes to I'm, positive I am, pole? I'm positive i'm north and end poles of, uh, magnets you know um, um and i'm also very pro thread i don't know why people are so like there's a reason that yigal masika is like probably a millionaire you know like it's because yeah. loops are great and they're yeah very useful. people don't i think loops are going i need to like have a little uh renaissance is that the right word is that right renaissance? yeah is that the yeah. right word yeah um because people don't seem to be using loops now and uh yeah, they used to be that like... Makes like that makes me sad. That makes me genuinely purchase. upset. But it, I think Fred has like its little moments where people come back to it and stuff. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. Thread, people used to get very upset about Thread. I can't think of an obvious trick or product that scammed people recently. I mean, apart from the Mr. Blonde well, controversy. I and I still, say, yeah. I still get emails from people being... You know, I think it's been like a year now who haven't had a refund... And they send me their communications wow. and being like, hey, but it's, yeah. So whatever happens there. The one thing I always think though, and it, there's a couple things that I think are like interesting background for magic products is just the relationship with like Murphy's Magic and magic shops and uh, mm-hmm. producers. Because it, and like any bad trick or great trick that you've held was likely commissioned or funded by or propped up by murphy's magic murphy's, and yeah. they have they don't really have like a that they're for the most part their mentality is like we stock everything we're not here to like quality control or say this is a good trick or that's a bad trick which i think yeah makes sense as a business decision but it is a bit frustrating but um but what i was gonna say is the thing that people don't realize is that i remember being very very young and watching a video on on the internet um andrew main is that a name andrew main do you remember him that is a very familiar name. I think so it was him. Like it is. I think it was him, and he was talking about the the kind of financial logistics of the magic industry. And what what I basically mean by that is that when you buy a magic trick for ten dollars from a magic shop, they have bought that from Murphy's Magic, hopefully for about six dollars, and then they yeah. have bought, and then Murphy's have bought that from the producer which is normally the creator if it's independently funded for uh, $4. And if that produces someone like Theory 11 or Vanishing Inc., that means the creator is getting, hold on, let me do the math, probably less than a dollar. Um, a lot of magic shops, I know like Penguin and stuff are going down to like 20%, but it used to be at 25%. So 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, negating all that, one thing I, I constantly see criticized about magic products is about how expensive they are. And I think sometimes I look at it and I go, no, actually that price seems about right because that magician is making like five, like four bucks per sale. And it, hopefully he's managed to sell like 300 units and it probably took three months of his life, like yeah, or her life. So you can and create I, it. Yeah, I have friends who who spend six months making a magic product and they do all this like 3D design. They spend lots of money on getting it injected, molded. And I kind of look at them and I think, my God, the amount of effort you're putting into this, people put into toys that are hoping to sell a million units and you're hoping to sell like 300 units to Murphy. 300 um, on, a, on a good, like a really solid promoted product. That would, well, yeah, yeah, that would be, for most like independent creators, that's a really good number. I, I, I tend to, I think most people think a thousand is good, 3000 is great. And then, most tricks I know that have sold more than three or five thousand to get all the way to the fifteen thousand mark, and then they kind of pitch out after that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this article is about how to avoid getting scammed, and uh, there's some really good advice. The two, the the main piece of advice that I really like in there was first of all there was like watch the watch full performances and watch the trailers without the sound on, which I thought was kind of a great idea. Um, but then the other idea was like the five year rule of like what was good five years ago because you don't really want to be performing the thing that everyone's performing right now. And all of the best tricks are 20 years old anyway. Like whenever you see oh, yeah. Blaine or Darren performing on stage, you're always like, oh my God, what is this trick? And then you find out it's a 20 year old trick and you're like, oh shit, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've breathed new life into it or it just wasn't done enough by people in that, you know, caliber, that class of magician. It's um, just that thing of yeah. like standing the test of time. And magic is so niche where if you're like, it's uh, movies are probably a bad comparison but like uh you know if a movie did really well 20 years ago and it holds up and does really well today people might have seen the movie but if you're doing a trick that was really good 20 years ago i think it's very rare that uh unless you're like vanishing the statue of liberty it's very rare that anyone's (laughs) going to be like oh i've seen this trick before like yeah yeah even like double cross Everyone does oh, double cross. Yeah. And that was just ashes on palm. I remember as a kid, God, I, I did way too much cigarette magic as a kid, but I remember at pubs. So you're starting to realize how weird <laughs> that is. So you're like, dang. People I, would, like, I don't know what was in pubs no, either. It's just, just for magic. No. Well, to be fair, I would dip my finger in like the ashtray, which, oh God, mm. my parents were not great. Um, but uh, So I wasn't like I was smoking. <laughs> but I was doing that trick when I was like eight years old because I'm pretty sure it was taught in a Paul Zenon book and and it was great back then and now it's like dumb as sharpies and everyone does it um everyone does it I had a friend text me the other day that they went to a bar and the the bartender was a magician and they were like he did this crazy thing where he he drew an x on my hand and then he made it disappear and then it was uh you know and I was like dang that really is just everywhere it's just like if someone thinks of a magic trick that they've seen and they've been to like a magic bar or even just this was a regular bar the guy just happened to be a magician that was also a bartender um, and it's just like they, they everybody knows it the so thing it's like, that i don't i remember I don't uh, dynamo doing that in the uk and being like i don't know it, it's interesting to me that he was choosing to do it when people had lots of people have seen that trick like and it's memorable mm-hmm. it's not like a card trick where you go oh, i've seen this one before if you've seen someone draw an X on your hand and you remember that, it's quite specific. <laughs> what tipped it over the edge? Blaine does it. Blaine performs double cross. And he performs it now. Like, 
it, it, like wow. it's like i don't know it just that was like a real moment for me where i was like oh maybe it doesn't matter if you're doing a trick that everyone else does i mean i think it does but blaine doesn't and blaine's pretty fucking great at what he does he he made it he would know he made it his own i think he like uh you draw a spade and i think you also draw like it's like a prediction the card that you so he made it his own it was not like it, yeah. it felt very different but and um, my thing in only ideas the book i wrote is i had uh you draw an x and a zero on your hand and you ask them to choose one and you use equivocate to make the other one or make their one vanish yeah. um that was my like fun little like if i was going to tweet this a little bit that's how i'd do it but but yeah, um, yeah people really dimension to it exactly people um really love this article i even had one magician text me pete mccabe in full caps that was the that was the whole text (laughs) um pete will be back with a new article uh this month uh and it's a good one you can read this story though and the next one by visiting oneahead.com i feel like we should look at the comments for this one there are probably a few good ones yes dk we shall all right well this one is from josh birch my antidote to bad magic marketing is this. Ask more questions privately. If a shop, a creator, or a reviewer won't give you more information, just move on to someone or something else. If an ad catches my eye, I start asking questions to people that I trust about it. And I think that's pretty good advice, honestly. Like, I don't see why we can't ask more questions to people about things that we're curious about. Yeah, and it, as much as I love that feeling as a kid of with the cigarette trick i also am a big fan of like not selling secrets i kind of think that magic's moving out of that anyway it, mm. I, I always think about jeff price yep. with uh with plain sight his magic company and all of the methods for all of his tricks are on the, the website so before you buy it you yeah. know exactly how it works um illusionists are doing that a lot more murphy's are doing that a lot more um and they tend to just do it when they can because they're not things you can make at home. So they know that people aren't just going to like rip it off kind of thing. But I do yeah. think, I do think that's kind of great. Cause it's funny. Cause like, even then in my head, I was like, well, the problem is if you just show people though, and it's like, well, actually what about like other industries where you would pay for like music lessons or singing lessons? Yeah. Like what? It's not like, <laughs> it's not like every guitarist is like don't show them the chords because if you show them the chords they'll teach themselves it's like they'll be able to make music yeah it's so weird that we can't we can't just like cultivate this this environment where people just want to learn from people who are good teachers even stuff anyway that's a whole it really is one of the few art forms that has like heavily guarded secrets don't tell well i mean it does make sense it is magic it's magic right (laughs) Right, but like for magicians, like from magician to magician, you know, oh yeah, are like hesitant to like talk about you know stuff that they're working on or stuff that they are releasing, uh, just to the the magic community, uh, you know. It's also just not many other like if you think about performing arts, it's not like comedians aren't out there selling their sets. Like it's weird that like a magician will spend like four years honing in yeah. a routine and then they'll put it on sale. Um, but anyway, um, Mark Kearns said, great article, Pete. I'd like to have a heartily... See, I'm not as good at reading this. You can, as do, it. You can do it. I'm Mark Kearns said, great article, Pete. I'd like to heartily 
Heartily? Oh my God, Mark. I'd like to heartily endorse your what came out five years ago that is still good criteria. The honest truth is I never read magic ads or reviews these days. If anything goes in my ads, it's generally a recent classic, which I'll adapt to use slights and techniques I'm comfortable with, a plot slash theme that suits me, etc. This means, one, I'm not doing the zeitgeisty trick that everyone else is doing, keeping me distinctive, and two, it comes pre-road tested. It's a very good comment. Um, Mark also comment. said that he really liked the article and would prefer more articles like Pete um, wrote. So uh, that's why Pete's coming back. Um, feedback, Does, feedback, yeah. feedback taken My, on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were asking me for feedback. And I was like, yeah, uh, honestly, I'd rather that Pete just write all the articles. So if you just want to step aside. I think a lot of people would. I, the reaction was like, it was like I'd asked... I, I I can't think of a good uh, comparison. It's like if Tarantino came in like guest movie reviewed on like a movie review website. People were very very excited. Um, so Everybody yeah, so would be like, "Oh, this is good. I this uh, I want people, this." People like the stuff that I write, but I think the thing that Mark was highlighting was that uh, he wasn't such a fan of the news stories that are about like magic drama or like industry news. But you, you can't please everyone. We're, we're working on something though that might allow us to please everyone. Well, more of that at Ooh, the end of the episode. More of that later. Um, oh, I'll, let you, I'll, I'll let you say this one again. Uh, what's the next story, DK? Wait, where are we going to start? I was, just, I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I was fully prepared to say something about Mark's comment. And I was like, now I'm like, really? Okay, I'm good now. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Do I have to say it? Yeah, yeah. Just make like gonna... a big, big, big old breath in, in the middle of the two words. Hand, full stop, jobs, and magicians. I'm glad you took a big, uh, a I big just, pause. I just think that even the fact that you put the space in the title of the newsletter and people were still like, no, no, no. He means something else. I like there, could have been an accidental you know? space. This story is all about magicians hand doubling in films, TV shows, and music videos. The story centers around the new Wednesday series on Netflix, in which Romanian magician Victor Dorabantu plays Thing, the disembodied hand. And a fun fact: the Thing is actually played by a magician in the previous Adams Family movie. And the story features quotes from an interview with Victor, as well as more examples of artists like Dan and Dave hand doubling on kids' TV shows and even Hollywood movies which is something that I knew about with Now You See Me, but I did not know about the Lazy Town hand doubling. I did was fully unaware of that until I read the article. Did Lazy Town, was... was that a kid's TV show in America too? It, it was not something that I watched, but I became very aware of Lazy life. Town. Because huh? you you're, you're such a different generation to me. It was no, like... it's not even that. It's just that I, didn't, I just didn't consume it. But then like, it's very weird. It became like Lazy Town was involved in a lot of memes when I was in like high school. So I became very aware of it then, just way past the age bracket of Lazy Town's, you know, target demo. But I had forgotten about Lazy Town until I was writing this article because basically, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that in the title sequence or at some point in every episode, the main guy in this kids tv show gets thrown a deck of cards that he shuffles does cardistry and then one card pops out and it's the the move of the day and then he does that move um and someone's compiled like it's like 10 minutes of cardistry that dan and dave did they flew over and, and hand doubled for this lead character and i think it's shot really something really interesting about um a lot of hand doubling for other skills 
really stands out as being like that's not their hands that's not the person (laughs) but what's weird is like if you want to shoot someone doing card moves it doesn't make sense for their face to be in the shot so it it always kind of works for me there's something about that works Uh, maybe like a coin roll it's a bit weird or like sometimes you i can't remember i can't think of any like music when people are like playing guitar or that they'll do like hand doubling for musicians and it just doesn't feel Mm -hmm. right but something about magic it for some reason it always sort of gets by and even like passes me but anyway i did some like weird deep dive into lazy town for this article and it's do you know it's an icelandic children's tv series created by aerobics champion magnus sheving um and the show was designed to encourage a healthy lifestyle it's really it's like and teach cardistry so exactly i mean it's weird to think that we were exposed to cardistry. Well, I was, you weren't until you were in high school looking at memes, but like, it's weird to think <laughs> that I saw that at such a young age when I was eight years old and didn't really think about it. It doesn't register at the time because you're just like looking at it through the lens of a child. You're not maybe, like, oh, he's doing card tricks. You're like, but maybe it had a big did, effect on my life. Way. Maybe it's, do you think subliminally lazy town is the reason that you're doing this podcast <clears throat> right now God, what is wrong with my throat um you picked a good day to come on a podcast and um, have yeah. you done any hand doubling i was that was my question for you i, was, I had it no, written down i have not i have not done any hand doubling for for anything it's uh, amazing how many magicians have like a lot of magicians have well when you were going through the like list uh well you you obviously mentioned sonia which huge shout out to sonia um she's great that I knew about. I was like, oh yeah, like I've seen tons of stuff that she's done. But then you were she's done a other lot. people, and then you you did the um, as a t- the TJ Maxx commercial. Yeah, the and old I was lady like, hands. Yeah, with the old lady hands. I I hadn't seen that, and I thought that it's, was it, hilarious. The Sonya stuff's really, really interesting because she has like a dance background and, and movement background, mm-hmm. so she gets mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of interesting work. And it's not necessarily like shuffling cards; it tends to be like her, uh, literally just doing hand modeling or uh, yeah. holding a makeup brush and doing some twirl with it, or like pressing the button in a really good way. It's kind of like that thing. There's there's a movement guy that I met in la who does there's a name for it where you do all the weird finger movements do you know what the name is finger tutting i believe that's what it's called it's called finger tutting so they get they get hired a lot for this kind of stuff because they're good with their hands magicians get hired a lot and hired more because we have this amazing uh false marketing for magicians of we're good with our hands (laughs) yeah when most magicians are just like using a magnet um (laughs) So they get, we get so magicians get so much work and it just comes from people on film sets being like, well, let's just hire a magician. They're good with their hand. They can do this. So like this guy who played thing, they were filming in Romania. They put a call out for Romanian magicians to come in and audition. And he actually Mm -hmm. thought it was a prank call when he got asked to come in. And then he arrived and in the waiting room with loads of other magicians who he knew. And then he, you know, got the call back and came back. But it's amazing to me that someone somewhere, and perhaps they did it this time because of the first Adams family, or the last Adams family moving, having a Canadian magician do it. But it's amazing to me that someone, when you know magicians like like we do, and you know that most of them aren't actually that great with their hands, or they're certainly no, not actors. they're just not. It, it's so weird that like a casting producer would be like, you know who would be great? A magician. We should put a call out for magicians to come in and audition. I just think it's like, when I was reading this story, I was thinking about all the times that I've hung out with magicians. 
and I've just seen like the least dexterous person, you know, like just, <laughs> just someone, someone that has no, like, they're very good with cards. They're doing these. And I think Victor even talks about this. It's like very mechanical. Like when you do a slight, mm. it's like repetition, repetition. And the move is, can be like, like if you do a pass, it's kind of like got a very mechanical motion to it. It's not necessarily going to be fluid, you know, all the it's way. It's definitely not emotive. And it's not emotive, which was the other thing that Victor said was like he had to learn how to act through his his hand, yeah, which is a weird thing to think about. But um, the, it's also like good sleight of hand you can't see, so it's weird to have everyone looking at your hand. Yeah, for like what essentially most hand doubling is. The thing there are a couple of things I thought. First thing I was, I was thinking when I was reading into the Wednesday thing was if I did that, I couldn't not imagine there being like a face and eyes on my hand. But the thing I found really interesting is he had to wear this like. I think it's blue, the blue suit, so that yeah. he could be removed from a lot of shots. Sometimes he didn't need to wear the whole suit over his head and stuff because of how the shot was set up, but he still would because he found it like a good way of tricking his body and brain into like detaching from the the hand. This idea that the hand is its own thing, yeah. kind of thing, which I kind of like. It, it kind of makes sense. A little bit like how when people put on a mask they're able to act like a lot more freely or or they can or they automatically start using all of their body a lot more kind of thing yeah you have you automatically have to be more expressive to compensate for the fact that you don't have a, a facial expression to to express how you are feeling there was a lot of expressing happening in mm. that sentence that short bit there but yeah and you feel less self-conscious people aren't looking at you or you can't yeah it doesn't feel like they're looking at you kind of thing I feel like if um, I was doing hand doubling for something like this, where uh, it literally is like the character is the hand, I, I feel like starting out, I would be super self-conscious, like initially, uh, because the camera would be like right up on my hand. I'd be like, dang, I need to moisturize. Oh, is, there's cracks all up in that knuckle. That is unattractive to look at. Look, I, I don't like the whole discourse of like magicians aren't hygienic. I think uh, every year when Blackpool comes around, there's always some magician who's like, this year, make sure you wear deodorant or whatever. Everybody Uh, wear deodorant. It always annoys me, but... (laughs) But? Get a manicure. You work with your hands, you have your hands on... Like, like, I know... (laughs) I've had had a manicure. That's not because... That's not because magicians have bad nails. It's because they don't have great nails. And if you're filming a close-up, like, a lot of times in TV shows, I'd be like, hey, you know get a manicure like your your hands are going to be full screen on national television uh it's gonna cost you like seven bucks go go get a manicure like, yeah and it doesn't mean you have to have your nails po- polished it just mean or uh, painted like just i don't know a clear it, coat guys <laughs> fellas just get a clear coat honestly it protects the nails they shine i really looks better I, I don't want to be pulled into a discourse of magicians being unhygienic because i genuinely don't think that's the case but i do always think just get a manicure like if your, well, yeah, your job is having your hands on display like that like look off it's not like kind of. hygiene it's like wearing makeup on a set because mm. it's meant to help accentuate yeah. the features of your face it's not it's not because you're not hygienic if you don't wear makeup it's it just makes things look you know the way that they should look on tv my other note on that is if you do do a tv show and you're a magician having worked on shows myself accept the makeup they they want to put makeup on you because you're going to be shiny otherwise. So accept the makeup. You get a lot of magicians who shiny. say you magicians say they don't maybe. want it and it's a bad move. And then we also get I've also worked on shows where magicians have been like, oh, I do my own makeup. I do it every night on stage, and then they've put on stage makeup for a TV show, which is not 
going to mm-hmm. work. It doesn't. It's Not a very different. Same. It's a very different platform. You're going to look. Uh, you're going to look different. And um, anyway, <laughs> you can read the full story all about uh, hand jobs at oneahead.com. But for now, it's time for our final story. And since I did the last one, can you just be a great friend and introduce this one? I sure can. This one is titled How to Perform Magic for Friends. You know, you're a great friend. I just wanted to say that. What's what's this one actually about, though? Um, that's a great question. And the answer is missing from the outline. So I'm going to improvise this. The, the article is all about performing magic for friends. And it's written by me. Uh, it, I kind of lean into my experience traveling for the last few years. And it's advice for performing magic for friends based on the idea that like we were saying earlier 99.8% of magicians are not professional magicians most of them are not performing on stage they're not performing at paid gigs they are performing for their friends and their family and bizarrely most of the products that you're sold are not for you like they're not made for that environment or or taught yeah. in that in that kind of way and why that is the case when most magic buyers are performing for friends so I talk about the idea of like getting used to repeating a trick, um, getting used to folding friends into the mix, getting them to be a part of the trick in any way that might be, um, you know, using partial stooges, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I felt a little bit fraudulent writing this. I'm not going to lie because I don't really perform magic, but it was a really requested uh, topic. So I thought I would write about m- my thoughts certainly on it. Um, and it's weird how much of it is it feels similar to performing uh working with magicians who are performing in the kind of projects i work on in tv and stuff because like one of the main pieces of advice i give people who are working on tv shows as a magician is like fold everyone into the story get get all of the people who are working on the show on side and make them feel like they're a part of uh a part of it because we better but what are your thoughts on this do you perform magic for friends or you 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 play hard to get and refuse I'm very much a uh, I'm very much a person that performs for friends. It's mm-hmm. like it's a that's kind of why I got into magic when I was younger was I needed something to break that social barrier when I was a kid because I was very shy. You didn't, have, you didn't have a microphone nearby. I didn't have a microphone nearby. Listen, <laughs> if someone had handed me this when I was thirteen, we wouldn't be on this podcast right now. I'd be, I should say. I'd be, I should say. You're listening to this. You can't. You can't see this. I'm at my desk and I have like a mic on the table dk has like a mic with a cord that he's like holding by his mouth like yeah, he's on i'm stage. like i'm like doing he's also, stand up he's I'm also pacing here. left and right around his room with a spotlight behind him yeah <laughs> there's an audience even... you can't see there's an audience outside my window right now watching and i'm I broadcasting see the audio his face. i just see his disembodied body Door walking stone. left and right <laughs> with so a here's microphone the, in here's the thing about performing magic for friends you know <laughs> Well, I do. Well, so I was just kind of going to, I'm going to double back actually a little bit to where you were talking about how you felt disingenuous writing this because you don't perform magic. And I have a very stark memory of you and me and Anna de Guzman Mm. sitting at a table in, in LA and Anna's like, Rory, you've got to show me, you've got to show me a trick. And you just went, no. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me sound that awful. It was, and no, it wasn't awful. It was hilarious. Because she, she was like, no, why? You were like, I just don't really perform. And then I had to do a trick, and it was terrible. Um, it was so awful. It's really interesting because I've wrestled with this a lot because 
if I was, you know, there are people who coach athletes and aren't athletes. There are directors who don't act. But because magic's so small and niche, it's very weird. Uh, some of my heroes in magic aren't performers. They're amazing illusion designers and consultants all around the world. But people mm. don't know about them or know about that. So it seems very weird to be someone. Who, and I've just never, I've always been fascinated in magic since I was a kid. Never mm. in a million years, nothing has appealed to me about performing. And that doesn't mean that I don't think it's a good thing to perform. I'm in awe of people who can. I love it. I love watching people do it. But it's just not something that is like, I'm as attracted to that as I would be to going and doing ballet. But what I love is the behind the scenes and building it and making it all happen. It's just like how I I love writing and directing like TV or film would be like a yeah. dream. You know, I, I think in many ways I'm much more similar to, I don't want to sound like I'm comparing myself to JJ Abrams, but like, he's like <laughs> a director who likes magic and I'm like this magic consultant who likes directing. Like that is like, direct, yeah. it's that kind of like that genre of person who like isn't a magic, you know, Jason Sudeikis, like all these people who like love magic, but it's not their thing. That's kind of how I feel, but it's been a great catalyst for my TV career that I can do these magic TV shows while also trying to do the TV shows that I've always wanted to do. But yeah, I remember being very young and going to Vegas and working with Justin Flom pre the, you know, the new Justin the, Flom. Yeah. I was going to say the, uh, that's probably a good funny line between the, anyway, I'll come up with a joke <laughs> later and drop it in, but I was with him and we were talking about, I think someone asked to see a trick when we were out and I didn't show them a trick. And he was like, you should do that. Like you, and it, he told me about a friend of his who sat him down and how he used to always say to people, Oh, come and see my show. Because originally people don't know this, but Flum was just like a stage performer. He didn't do close up until yeah. he started doing yeah. YouTube and then YouTube made him into a close up performer. So he would say, Oh, come and see the show sometime or you should see the show. And he wouldn't show them a trick. And then a friend of his sat him down and was like, these people are asking you to show them a trick because they want to see magic and you're taking that away from them. And to them, it would have been like a really exciting thing. They would have remembered for a long time, or at least it would have been like a highlight of their day. And you're taking that away from them by not doing it. And I remember being very young and being like, damn, he's right. Like maybe I am being like, a dick about it and if someone asks to see a trick maybe i should show them a trick and then mm -hmm. it took me some time after that to really come to the terms of the fact that nope i just don't need to show anyone a trick it's fine <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. it, i don't it's enjoy fine. doing it it's not my thing like it it you know i meet comedians who tell people they're a comedian and people are like oh tell us a joke and uh, and they get really annoyed about it and i'm like yeah okay i think i'm on that i'm in that school of thought where that I'm like, can't actually like definitely yeah and I don't tell people I'm a magician because I don't consider myself a magician. I'll tell people what I do and then they'll say, oh, do you know any tricks then? And I'll be like, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, like, yeah, a couple like magicians I work with or teach me or I've learned a few over time, but I'm not really like a performer person. Performing, yeah, yeah. What do you feel about, would you show someone a trick without them consenting, without them asking? Or would you wait I, for them to I ask? don't, I do not uh, do that. I used to. When I was much you go younger, straight in with I would, the, I would just go in with cards. Never anymore. I only really do magic now if somebody asks me to do it. Um, you know what? Because yeah, no, go ahead. I was just say so. You just the whole asking thing. I, I used to hang out with a lot of cardistry people. I mm. still love Michael Stern. I'm going to be at cardistry con this year I with him. Love Michael Stern, but. 
I remember I used to hang out and we used to be waiting to go watch improv in LA and stuff. And they would all be shuffling their cards and the amount of people who would say, can you show us a trick? And they'd have to be like, Oh, we don't do magic. It's, it's cardistry. <laughs> we'll show you this. It's like juggling with cards. And I'd be like, Oh, cool. Whatever. And I remember realizing at the time I was like, not once has anyone, any magician I've been with been holding a deck and someone's asked to see a trick, but some reason Cardis, and it's probably because they're doing this like amazing stuff. They're doing crazy dexterous stuff. Yeah, That's probably part of it. But I just thought it was really funny that like, I know magicians who carry deck of cards hoping to be asked to see a trick and they never get (laughs) asked. But these Cardis who don't know, like some of them genuinely don't know any magic tricks it's just like that's not the thing They're like they started doing cardistry and that they never they didn't yeah. come from magic like a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. people did because now it's its own separate art form that has its you know own flourishing community it's bizarre. Um, um, but yeah, so you no. you now you now do you do you wait till it comes up in conversation do you mention your that you can do magic because your job isn't at the moment isn't yeah, I'm not doing magic full time, um, and it's not even it's not even magic related. But I, I, I usually don't bring up the fact that I'm a magician the first time I meet someone. I don't like to have that be the one thing that people. You think have like about a three me. date. You have like a three date rule. You wait till it's the like third a three date. date. Yeah, it's like it's like you know. <laughs> like uh, my fiance and I, like I didn't tell her that you know, I was a magician for, you know, quite, quite, a, not, not super long into it. It was like, we had been on a few dates and then I was moving into my, uh, into my apartment at college and she was helping me move. And there was just boxes of boxes of cards. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, you have to, why do you have all these? And then you and have then to show the doves. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she saw the doves and she said, why do you have so many, you know, neodymium magnets? And I said, oh, that's mm, that's just for arts and crafts. No. Yeah. So I don't like saying it out the gate because I don't like it to be like the defining thing. Because then I've noticed if you tell somebody you're a magician right out the gate, if you go anywhere with that person and there's people there that you don't know, the immediate thing is show them something. And yeah, then it does look it in like your spreads. personality it spreads you know and everyone's like that's the magic guy and i i was that in high school that's what people knew me as and i just like as soon as i went to college i was like i don't want to do that i don't want to be that guy anymore yeah Um, it's an interesting dynamic when the when the person you know is trying to get you to show people tricks like sometimes it's like a genuine amazing exciting thing and other times it is like I can hide behind you kind of vibes. Like there's like a weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's a time and a place for it, obviously, but sometimes there's settings where it's just like not ideal. Like it's really, really loud in a bar and they're mm-hmm. like, and you know, and I don't have anything like really on me and I'm like trying to do some, you know, like, okay, so there's three items on the table, right? Could you just pick one of those <laughs> items? I'm, like, I'm doing an equivocate in a, in a club and it's just not, it's just not it. Um, I will, I no, will but, say having hung out with magicians and of all, of all levels of like, skill and fame it's always better when someone asks to see a trick and you show them a trick like it yeah it just feels it feels so impromptu especially if the trick that you've got prepared is something that's specific to the location or oh yeah like even if we're filming somewhere and we've built an entire false wall for a trick Mm -hmm. we'll still wait 
for for the person to be like, okay, can you show us? So it feels like it's their idea kind of thing. Yeah, um, it doesn't feel like it was set up. Yeah, and they're success. asking for it. Like it's like it's not wish fulfillment, but it's like you're you're satisfying that thing. You're not like because one of the things that there's oh, it's weird that there's the guy there's this like FBI negotiator who has a big thing about um it's a lot easier to say no than yes. So if you want to get your way, you should ask a mm. question that frames the answer you want as a no. Like, would it be ridiculous if you gave me a hundred dollars right now? Like your yes. gut wants yeah. to say no. Like it, it, you, you're pulled towards a no of whatever. Would it be crazy if I got a raise or what? Like it, it, that's really interesting. And then also um, like my, my last book, the best lies, the one you tell yourselves is all about mm. the best like if you take a, a bottle and you say this is an empty bottle people are gonna be like oh, i'm not sure it is but if you tip all of the water out of it and shake 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 it's completely empty and then put the cap on people have lied to themselves then and told them that it's empty yeah and they're, gonna, they're gonna believe that lie way more and I, there's something about that and the no thing that just to me is like so deeply connected to this idea of like if someone asked to see a trick it's going to be more powerful than you. Like people will want to reject the thing that you're like pushing onto them, no matter what it yeah. is. But if they say, "Hey, can you show me a trick?" It's like, uh, it's it's better, I guess. How do you feel about uh, accomplices and stooges? Do you have like friends who can always yeah. you can always count on, or have I they have, know I they have, know the deal? Yeah, I've got a few friends that uh, if I need to get a card in an impossible location. We're ready to go, you know, at any, at any moment, you know, uh, there's, mm. there's a little signal that, that I have with a couple of my good friends from back home. The most fooled I've there. ever been. And I'm trying to work out how much I can say without ups, not <laughs> upsetting, but like, yeah, that's the thing. But the most fooled I've ever, someone showed me a trick at 3am, a magician showed me a trick at 3am and I had no idea how it's done. And then he told me, and basically there was an accomplice and the accomplice was in New York listening on a phone call. And the reason why it had fooled me so much was because it was 3 a.m. And I was like, no one's up at 3 a.m. on like a Tuesday. Oh. But because there was the time difference, it was like, so I was, we were like in the middle of night. It was just like, it fooled me so bad. But yeah, I, I definitely like, there is something amazing when you're the accomplice and your or your friend is a magician or your partner is a magician and you've got that go-to trick because suddenly you're more excited for the trick to happen you feel involved in it um i i think it's a lot it's a lot better and it's really it's exciting and it's weird how much of a small impact you know you don't have to put the whole trick on them they can just be like one small thing that they do that enhances a trick or makes it better or um yeah i think it's fun for people that aren't magicians to be able to step into the shoes of the performer and feel mm. like they're a part of it. And, you know, something that I realized about myself probably way too late into um, doing magic is that I always kind of wanted, I was trying to force myself into this box of I wanted to be like a magic creator because I really looked up to people that created magic, not necessarily performed. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, inflate your ego so i won't say you were one of those people but let's just imagine that maybe you were one of those people um and so i tried to be that and much later on i realized that i just am a better performer than i ever was a creator <laughs> I you were gonna say that. 
say the knee. I thought you were going. I thought your story was originally I wanted to be like you, and then I realized I'm a much better performer than you. I should be doing performer performer than you. No, um, no, I just like it. Just naturally, it comes more naturally to me to perform. Yeah, one hundred. And I've run in. I've run into that in like even in outside of magic. I I thought I wanted to be a video editor, and then I got a job as a video editor, and the person that gave me the job about eight months into it was like, listen, um, we're not going to fire you, but we just think that you should be on camera. Like, because it's just, you're gravi- You're not as good behind the scenes. You're mm. better doing this in front of people. And I think that for people that aren't magicians, just to tie this back around to what I was originally saying, I think that people who aren't magicians are just naturally more inclined. They would rather be a part of it. They think yeah. it's, it's cool. It's cool to be, you know, a part of the performance, even yeah, if it's a yeah, part yeah. that nobody knows about. You're in on it, and there's you're this, in on the like, trick. Yeah, you're in on the trick. It's very. It's like this kind of like giddy feeling. You, like, ooh, you I know feel something like a that you spy. don't. You feel like a spy. I've yeah. done for like quite famous magicians. I've been like the Confederate accomplice doing like some crazy stuff. Like mm-hmm. when I think back to the stuff I was doing when I was younger, it's nuts but I just felt like I was in a spy movie, like running between buildings and hiding in things and pretending to do jobs I didn't actually have. Like you just feel mm-hmm. like you're in a spy movie. I, I find it like enthralling. And um, the other thing quickly to add before you move on, but I was going to say, I always see magicians being like, what did, what do you do with challenging spectators? And I, I wrote a great article <laughs> about this. Not, I feel like I'm saying the article was great about how great Darren Brown's response was to a challenging spectator once. Yes. Um, it's on the website. Yes. But one thing there's a way of dealing with that in like a professional setting, but the way to deal with challenging spectators at, in terms of like friends is just get them in on the trick. Like I just don't, I mean, maybe it's me Let as a- Let them participate, yeah. As in like, make them the confederate. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I probably perhaps have like a weird perspective on this as not a performer, but like obviously if people give me enough drinks and persuade me and blackmail me, I'll show them a magic trick. <laughs> and- I have very vivid memories and I can think of specific friends at school or whatever who were just dicks about magic. They thought magic <laughs> was like, they thought magic was the most uncool thing. They were threatened by it. They hated the idea of being fooled. And I would just nudge them and say, hey, when this happens, do this and, and do this and you'll help them. And they fucking love magic then. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When they're not on the receiving end of it, apparently. They melt to 100 so fast. And they're like, suddenly they're on your side. They love the fact that they're in on it. They're having such a kick out of the, your friends being fooled. No longer are they like shitting on the trick because if they did that, they would be shitting on themselves. And I understand that all these magicians will tell kids you should do this to counter challenging spectators. But mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, if you're at school and you've got someone being rude about the magic tricks you're, you're doing, have a think about getting them in on a trick because oh, it's yeah. like you're, you're, you're getting them on your side and you're folding them into it. And I don't know, it sounds really, it sounds a bit silly, but I think it's like, it's definitely the way that I've countered that um, for sure. I think it's sort of always, always, always worked. Because that you hear one of the things I always hear magicians say is like, let them show you a trick, give them the deck, and, and then you watch them fair. And it's like, oh, why don't you just just 
just take them aside and say, hey, look, next trick, name the four of clubs. Or, or do this, or I'm going to hand you a card and put it in some put it in someone's handbag or whatever. Um, all these kids yeah. going to school with handbags. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, that wraps up, us up on our, our four big stories. We've posted a few other ones this week. Um, if you want to read that story that we just discussed, you can read it at oneahead.com. DK, this is your moment, the end of every episode, where our guest co-hosts wow. can talk about themselves. What would you have you got anything going on? What can people see? What can they uh, what can they subscribe to? What's your OnlyFans account? Let's go. I feel like I'm on hot ones right now. Like you just rolled out the Sean Evans. This camera, this camera, this camera. Tell the people what you got going on in your life. One of my favorite um, compilations is the hot ones where people who are so stressed because they've spent an hour eating hot wings, he goes, Now's the time you tell the owners what's going on in your life. This camera, this camera, this camera, yeah. and then People don't realize what they're being asked, and they're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to. They don't know that they're supposed to promote, and they're, they're just like, "Yeah, I'm like my mouth is really hot, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna happens. have the worst dump of my life." Later it's happened today. so many times. One of my favorite oh, ones. Good. She's like, "Well, I had a baguette this morning for breakfast, and I think I'm gonna go to Central Park for a bit." <laughs> it's like you're supposed to be promoting your new movie. Whatever what the are you film doing? Is that you have, and then what? Sean has to do it, and he's like. <laughs> Trolls 2 is out in theaters next month, and you're like, oh, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. Me, oh the my god, actor Jake Gyllenhaal was on it recently, and he He's said, good. I've got nothing going on. Does anybody want to hang out after? Yeah, I, uh, I was like, but that's what it, it's it's great, it's it's, it's so better, good. it's so great. That's how you know it's a good press vehicle that by the end of it, people forget they're promoting anything. Like, it's yeah, great. it's like it's just a human. What do you, um, what do you have to promote, DK? Oh, what, have, what would you like people to know about? Listen, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at DK Magician. If you want to follow me on YouTube, you can find me at DK Magician. Do I post? Almost <laughs> never. Almost never. But uh, you can Quality probably find me on over other... quantity. Yeah, you can find me on other corners of the internet, but if you do, don't say anything about it, okay? There that's, you go. That's, that's very I'll, ominous. Um, yeah, that's really ominous. I love that, but it is true. You, yeah. You're probably going to see of, DK in other places, but... Under a different, uh, yeah, under a different guys. alias, yeah, exactly. Anything and keep it quiet. It's um, weird because this has become, in some ways, this is your side life and that's your main life now. It um, is. It is one hundred percent. What is <laughs> anyone happened. listening is like he's either a spy or a drag queen. It's, it's and, uh, and you know what? Listen, they're, they're not banning spies, so I'm, uh, <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> my career is in danger. No. Uh, Listen, I, you know, I know that there's stuff written here that I'm supposed to say, but I've been wanting to talk to you about this um, oh God. because it's, it's a, something that I hold near and dear to my heart. When we were working together uh, back in 2019, this is not a bad story, I promise. It's I was ready for you to be like, so in Africa, there are, in Africa, there are... <laughs> no, there are... <laughs> that's getting cut out so quickly no okay. no i think i'm keeping it i'll keep it no it reflects badly on uh, you not me it's okay Jeez, god <laughs> god almighty no it's they're gonna tune out of this podcast um no in in 2019 when we were working together uh i was in a relationship with my now fiance and you told me something you said uh i better be invited to your wedding and i said that you would be uh, but you're not, but you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the thing that you asked me after that, you said, what kind of cake would you have at your wedding? I don't know if you remember this, this, I don't remember any of this. I was, I was, oh, man. I, this is how scared I am right now. I thought you were going to say, 
I, I was dating this girl, my now fiance, and you said you should break up. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh god, what am I saying? Okay, what kind no. of cake are you gonna have? You asked me, you said, what kind of cake do you want at your wedding, vanilla or chocolate? I and I said to you, yeah, and I said marble because I want to watch the picky eaters squirm. And you said that was one of the worst things that I ever said to you. You were like, that's arguably one of the meanest things that you've ever said. You topped that. And today. I was just, and I was just thinking that I absolutely did. I 100% topped that. I topped that several times over. Um, <laughs> but I was just thinking about that yesterday because we were like going through like planning stuff. And I was like, I just remembered that it triggered me because I was thinking about doing the podcast today. And then also, you know the wedding and i was like we do need to have marble cake because actually that would be very funny to just watch great. a bunch of people go ah oh, i don't like i can't uh just it's like crazy around. you've had like a proper like pandemic moment i feel like so much has happened in the last few years for you it's crazy yeah you know we we grow we grow in in the face of adversity sometimes Aww. i don't know i'm proud i'm proud of you man i really am and i appreciate that but no tell i want to know what's going on with you at the moment forget what's happening with me what's going on with you well the only thing i was gonna say is uh one ahead has had a big rebrand and a new website it hasn't officially mm -hmm. launched yet we're launching it on thursday but Ooh. if you read if you're listening to this podcast and you somehow made it to the end you can go to oneahead.com and check out the new website um we're still transferring all the members there's a slight chance you won't be able to log in um, but you can see it, and it will properly officially launch um, on Thursday. Um, I'm oh my goodness! I'm going to rearrange all these stories, but all that's left is for you to read us out. Um, can you read us out, please, T? <clears throat> I'm going to go NPR for this one. I feel like this is the way it's going to. Yep. This podcast was written and produced by Rory Adams and was co-hosted by Rory and DK. That's me. All of the stories can be read in full at oneahead.com. Be sure to comment on upcoming stories to get featured in the podcast next month and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> you, have, you have a future as an NPR life. host. <laughs> yeah, mate, listen, if this YouTube thing doesn't work out, straight to this is NPR News Washington. I'm your host, DK. Today's yeah. top story. There are no countries in Africa that start with the letter G. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We did it. We did it. We did it. Congrats. We got it to the end.